We're in week four of our series, Receiving What's Yours. It's been on the book of Joshua. I mean, it's been a great study so far. I hope you'll agree. Uh, so today as we start, I, you know, like they say on the news channel, I got a little breaking news for you. Okay, breaking news right here. People forget stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that comes as a shock. No, it comes as a shock to you, but people forget stuff. Uh, there was a survey recently, 83%, number one thing people said they forget. Guess what? There's other people's names, right? You know, you look familiar, can't think, you know? Okay, <laughs> almost as many, almost as many, second number thing is where they put something. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not going to make any comments about anybody that I'm here with. About and I want to, none of you will either, right? You know, but I mean, people do. We do forget where we put some. So yeah, I know. I saw everybody look at somebody you're with. Yeah, keys, purses, you know, it's all this kind of stuff. People where they forget stuff. Number three, the third most common thing people forget: phone numbers. Now I kind of found that one weird. Okay, because for the last ten years or so, since cell phones and you know, I don't even try to remember phone numbers anymore. <laughs> I mean, if you ask me somebody's phone, I don't even hardly know our home phone number anymore. I mean, because it's just home. You know, I just got right. We don't really, have, yeah. And a lot of us don't even have one anymore. We just use our cell phones. But, you know, I mean, I just found that one interesting. Cause, but those were the top three things. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, for most of us, we try to keep our schedule, right? I mean, I don't know, probably you, your phone or your tablet. You know, do you use the calendar to remember appointments and meetings and things like that? I mean, for me, if it's not in there, it's kind of like it doesn't exist. Right, because I mean that's where I go. So if, if I want to remember stuff, it's gonna it's gonna be there. So, you know, I kind of think though that that forgetfulness that all of us have, right? That we could, you know, we miss things that are important if we haven't got them written down. That really is also often one of the greatest enemies of our faith. Okay, because you know if we start to forget how God has protected us and blessed us and provided for us in the past, we may come to doubt his willingness or his ability to protect us today or in the future. So while we're going to all continue, you know, to rely on our cell phones and our tablets to, you know, to, to remember tomorrow's appointments or the doctor's appointment or the dental appointment or for sure your wedding anniversary, guys, put those in there, you know, while we're all going to count on those tools to help us remember those kind of things. Today, what we're going to be doing, and as we look at Joshua chapter 4, is going to be looking at a different kind of reminder. It's a different kind, okay? Uh, one that lasts more than a few weeks or a month, right? But a reminder uh, that can last for generations, can last for generations. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like to encourage you uh, to turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. It'll be up on the screen and also, like always, it's on version, and you're welcome to, uh, to go there as well, okay? I'm going to be reading from the NIV. So, Joshua chapter 4. Remember last week, uh, the, the people headed, you know, the, the, the priests had carried the ark into uh, the, the Jordan. The river had stopped. Uh, the, the priests were in the middle, and the people started going through, right? So, here we are in chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan... The Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and place them down uh, where you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future 
when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua also set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now, the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people. Just as Moses had directed Joshua, the people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord of the priests uh, and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in sight of all Israel. And they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And no sooner... Had they set their feet on the dry ground, then the waters of the Jordan returned to the place and ran at flood stages before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when it dried up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So last week... Pastor Cindy's message from Joshua chapter 3, right? We saw how God had instructed the people through his appointed leader, Joshua, to take the Israelites to the other side of the Jordan and enter the promised land. They were to be led by the priests, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. We saw that although the Jordan was at flood stage, now, you know, again, we need to, let's put ourselves in this, in this spot for a minute, okay? The Jordan was at flood stage, and I was reading a little bit about that. I mean, it's, it's interesting what some of the, you know, some scholars say, right? They, they say that not only was it flood stage, would this have been a roaring, you know, a fast-moving, turbulent water, but that it's possible that the Jordan at that point was up to a mile wide. I mean, now, if that's true, okay, I don't know how many of you have been to New Orleans, Okay, or how many of you have been up to the headwaters of the Mississippi up, you know? Okay, but the, but the Mississippi River is about a mile wide where it crosses through New Orleans. I lived there for several years. Let me tell you, that's a wide river. Okay, so I, I mean, if, if that's right, if it was a mile wide, that's a big river. You know, that was a lot of water that was moving really quickly. Okay, but yet think of it. When the priest carrying the ark touched their feet to the water, it immediately stopped flowing. I mean, I, you know, 
those priests had to have some faith. Think about it. I mean, because if, you know, if you're the guy, you know, it's easy for me to be brave if I'm at the back of the line going, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you know, you going in, you know, and I'll, I'll be right behind you, right? You know, but I mean, but, but the guy who had to, in fact, the priest, you know, they're like lined up carrying the ark, right? Well, I mean, the first guy on the front, that was the bravest guy, right? Because I mean, this is the guy that, you know, if this deal didn't work, he's gone, Right? I mean, but think about it. You have the faith and you believe and you touch, they touch their foot to the water and immediately the river just dries up and the water heaps up. I mean, wow. Wow. That's a big miracle, right? That is a big miracle. And not only did the water, did the water stop flowing, but like instantaneously it's dry ground. Now, I don't know about you, but man, you think about the places sometimes in the winter. I mean, like the other day, my yard, you know, the snow's kind of melting away, but it's dropping. Man, it's muddy. Yeah. I mean, the snow goes away with a little bit of sunshine, but it's wet, yeah. right? I mean, the idea that the water, first of all, it's a pretty big miracle to me that the water just stops flowing, boom, right? But think about it. Not only, I mean, God doesn't do stuff halfway. When he stopped the water, he also says, yeah, I'll give you dry ground to walk on too because you know what? I don't want to get your shoes messy. <laughs> I mean, the ladies, they got on their new shoes. You know, they don't, we don't, we don't want to get them messy. But God, listen, I just think we have a God that attends to all the details. He attends to all the details. He did that for them, okay? So today, we move from chapter 3 into chapter 4, and we begin with, you know, the account is the last of the people, it says, have crossed. And I mean, the, you know, that is up to maybe 2 million people. Now, that's a lot of folks, okay, to, to pass through the Jordan and to be entering into the promised land. So, I mean, when you really think about it this day, this journey, this crossing, this is, a, this is an event. This is a moment that's been 40 years in the making. You know, this isn't just some idea that they just had. I mean, right, they, they, they could have possibly, you know, the first set of spies had gone in like 40 years ago. And so this is a day that's 40 years in the making. This is a monumental day in the lives of God's people. They're finally entering the land that God had promised to Abraham about 700 years earlier. I mean, you know, there's just so much there, isn't there? I mean, you know, when God promises you something, we were talking, you know, we've been talking about this place, okay? Yeah, you know, it was five and a half years in the making. I mean, you know, this wasn't for, wasn't for five and a half years ago. But listen, when God makes a promise, he fulfills the promise. The, the timing, as Greg said, isn't always in our timing, right? I mean, there's, you know, I, I'm a guy, I'm a, I'm a microwave kind of guy. You know, I like my popcorn quick, right? I mean, we like, we like to send off a prayer, and I'd like to open my eyes, and, you know, the phone would ring. Oh, yeah, you've got it. You know what I mean? I, w- I would like, I love it when God just answers prayers instantaneously. And we all do. And would we all agree there are times in our lives we've prayed prayers that got almost, I mean, if there's such a thing as an instant answer, we almost got one? Yeah, we've seen that, right? But have you also known sometimes when you've prayed for some things for, like, years, and they got answered, and maybe in your life you still got some stuff you're still praying for, and it's been years, and you're still praying? Okay, well, you know what? If it's a promise from God, you don't quit, right? I mean, in this case, this is 700 years. 700 years since the first promise, but it's being fulfilled today. So this is a day that should be remembered, right? This is not a day to be taken lightly. This is not a day that was trivial in their lives. This is a day that's been a long time in the making. And so they want to remember it. And so we saw that in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4, 
that God instructs Joshua to have 12 men, one from each of the tribes, take a stone from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priests were standing, and carry it to the place where they're going to camp tonight. And that was in Gilgal. That's where they were going to go. Okay? And verse 7 tells us that these stones are to be used to construct a memorial for the people of Israel forever, so that in the future, when they're descendants, when kids, when they say, you know, Dad, what are these stones for? Mom, what are these stones for? That will that they will have the people, their parents will have an opportunity to share with them the story, right? That Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry ground because who would believe it? I mean, think about it. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy story, right? Who would make stuff like this up? So, so it was a memorial. Look, God wanted these stones to be something more than just some kind of tourist attraction, you know, that you sell tickets for and, you know, you make money off of. Okay, he wanted these stones to become a faith monument, a faith monument to him, an object that would stimulate a conversation between a parent and a child. That, so when that, really, when that child would say, what does this mean? Why are these here? What is this? It would, it would, it would create an opportunity for a conversation for the parents to remind the children and tell them the story of what they had experienced, the faithfulness and goodness and provision and protection of God that, that they had experienced in their lives. Remember, these folks that were actually crossing the Jordan, remember God had said the folks that were 20 years and older weren't going to make it in because of their unfaithfulness in the wilderness, and yet these folks that were coming in are now adults, but, some, but they were, most of them were born, you know, there were a lot of them that were, were born when they had left Egypt, Right? They were, they were babies. They were really young, maybe, but, or they'd been born in the desert. But here's the thing, right? I mean, they, th- that story of the Red Sea, they, had, they either might have seen it. Joshua saw it. You know, he was part of the group, okay? But there were others who hadn't, but they had heard about it. But, you know, that's getting to be 40 years ago. Okay? And, you know, over time, sometimes it starts to fade a little bit. Did that really happen? Was it really the way I remember no, you know, what, did it really happen? Like, okay, but, but this is, he wants a faith monument so that they remember his provision and protection. And, and I believe what God wants us to take from this story is that he wants us to have faith monuments as well. Yeah. There should be faith monuments in our lives, faith monuments that will remind us personally of his blessing, of his provision and his faithfulness and his miracles in our lives. But you and I need to do some things, okay? First of all, I think what most of us would agree is, would you all agree we've had some answered prayer in our lives? Yeah, yeah, I mean, so answer, I mean, not just, you know, oh, God, give me a parking space at the mall, but I mean some big stuff, right? I mean, we had some of those too, you know? God even gives us silly details sometimes when we ask him for him, right? But we've had some big stuff. Would we all agree, can you think of some things in your life where you would say, honestly, I might not even be alive today if, if God hadn't answered certain prayers. You know what I mean? I, I mean, my, my, my life, and let me at least say it this way. If God hadn't intervened in some way, my life would be very different than it is right now. Look, can we just say that? It would, be, it would be very different, okay? Not for the better, but very different. Okay, okay. So, you know, what we need to do then is we need to first begin by identifying our own faith monuments. Right? We all have some, but if we don't ever now and then stop and think about them and kind of bring them back into focus, we can start to forget. Look, 
Faith equips us to go forward. Is that fair? Faith equips us to go forward. But really the way it does that is by us looking back at those past victories, those past miracles, reliving them, recounting them. Not, not because we want to live in the past, right? But because we want to remember God's faithfulness and God's goodness. Because when we do that, it gives us confidence to go forward. You know, and when I, I start to think about, well, what, what kind of ways, like, what does he mean? You know, what, what do you mean? Well, so first of all, personal victories, right? That can certainly be one. We've had times when we've all prayed and God has answered our own prayers and we've seen his goodness and faithfulness and provision. Okay, but one of the others is testimonies of others. Okay, testimonies of others are huge because they build faith in us when we hear them. They, they remind us that God's still in the business of answering prayer right out there. You know, a few weeks ago, we have our Bible study on Thursday night, and I love our Bible study. I know I keep pushing that like every week probably. I, I use some way. I'm going to weave in talking about Thursday night Bible study, but you know, or Tuesday night, excuse me, Tuesday night Bible study. You, somebody's wondering, what? I, I wasn't been missing it. What's he talking about? No, I'm sorry. Tuesday night Bible study. I love that. We've been going through the book of Romans, and it's just been the most marvelous thing. But a couple of weeks ago during our Bible study, uh, we, we were at an appropriate point, and one of the folks that was at the Bible study uh, said, you know, I've got a testimony about that that I want to share. And, and so uh, this, we had a testimony shared uh, about a miracle that had occurred some years ago and, and had dramatically impacted the life of this individual and this family. And, I, and because it's not mine, and someday we maybe have it shared publicly, but I didn't tell him I was going to do this today, so I'm, so I'm leaving it vague. Okay. Uh, but, but that testimony just about brought everybody in the room to tears. Because, because when you hear it, first of all, when someone shares a testimony that's their own, it resonates of truth, doesn't it? You know what I mean? It's, it's not like a joke or a story or an interesting thing. It's when someone shares from their heart something that God has done in their life. I mean, it, it touches you when you hear it in ways that nothing else does. Okay? And everybody that was there, I think, was encouraged and touched. And it built faith because, I mean, here's a testimony that just reminds us of God's goodness and faithfulness and blessing. I mean, in ways that are... That are that, that in fact in the, in the testimony can only be described by all who were there at the moment as a miracle. There was no other explanation. Okay? So we love the testimonies of others. Scripture reading. You know, Scripture reading is good for so many things, isn't it? But meditating on God's Word and on all the accounts. Think of all the accounts in God's Word of times when God's faithfulness and goodness and provision and protection and blessing were, were, were all that stood between life and death for people or a king or a moment. I mean, where God extended the life of people, where God, do you see what I mean? I mean, we, there are testimonies throughout Scripture that, that if we will read them and meditate on them, these can also become these faith monuments in our lives because, because sooner or later, most of us face something like that. Right? It's, it may not be a mean king coming after us, but it may be a mean boss. You know, it may be there, there, are, there are our own versions of these things, of the challenges of our life. And so between our own personal victories, between hearing the testimonies of others and then our own scripture reading and meditating on God's word, man, there are just times when only God will do. 
And we need to know those stories and we need those faith monuments so that we can go to them and we can reflect on them at those times of challenge. So the Israelites, right, they came through the river and, and, jo- and, and Joshua told them, go get those 12 stones, right? Now, we don't know how big they were. I mean, you know, it, it, there's, there's just lots of details, right, that scripture doesn't give us, okay? But so how, how many of you guys have been like to a river? I mean, like a, a real river, okay? Yeah, okay. And, and have you ever like actually reached down and got like a river rock out of the river? I mean, pick the size, it doesn't matter, okay? But, you know, some of them are like good skipping stones, and some of them are, you know, a little bigger. And so, okay. But have you ever noticed, I mean, most of them are pretty smooth. Yeah, yeah. Why are they smooth? I mean, did they start out smooth? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, they probably started out, you know, some bulk, I don't know, some, you know, coming up lava from the you know, middle of the earth or something, right? I don't know how they got formed, but they, I don't think they started out smooth. Okay, well, how did they get smooth? They get smooth by being exposed to that flow of the river, right? They get exposed by the constant... Uh, you know, that pounding and tumbling, okay, of, of the turbulent water, and they get pounded against other rocks and, you know, the, the, the sand and all that stuff. But it's, it's kind of a rough process, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of a rough process. Well, you know, that rough process is what makes them smooth. Well, 1 Peter 2.5 tells us that, that we're living stones, we're living stones, and that we're being built into a spiritual house. So it's a lot like that the trials and adversities of our life, the rough water that we go through, right? We have a choice. We can either let that rough water, those times, right, whether it's been unemployment, it's health, it's relationships. I mean, you pick the thing. Across here, we've had all of it, okay? That rough, that rough water can either make us mean and bitter and isolated and we can stay like rough stones. By the way, if you pick up a rough stone, it doesn't feel real good, does it? Rough stones hurt people. Okay? But when we allow God, when we're following him, those same things we go through in life, those rough, turbulent seasons of our life, God will use them. And he'll use them to smooth away our intolerance, our unloving spirit, our inconsiderate nature, our selfish edges, right? The fact is, once you've been tossed around and come through those rough waters, because from time to time we're all going to be in them, right? We have been, okay? When we come through those flood stages of life, if we just trust it to God, he'll take them. He'll take that rough water and he'll use it to remove your rough edges, and once those rough edges are gone, guess what? You won't be nearly as likely to hurt people that God brings near to you, will you? Okay? And you'll certainly have some experiences that will help you relate to them and understand what they're going through and make you more effective at being able to meet their needs. So, We need to take time for remembering miracles and allow those moments to become faith monuments in our own lives, okay? Not only to help us, but also so we can share them with others. We can be there for others when they need it, okay? So not only do we need to identify those existing faith monuments, but hey, if we're busy following God, we ought to be building new monuments as well. We don't want to just be living in stuff that 
happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, right? I mean, we got all of us probably have some great stories, some great moments that go way back, and we don't want to forget them. That's why we want to build monuments. But we don't want to be happy just living in yesterday's blessings, yesterday's provision. We should be building new monuments. And as we read right there today, God instructed Joshua to have the people build a new monument. Right? He, it wasn't, wasn't let's just remember the Red Sea. Let's don't, let's don't remember, let's just remember the man that's been doing good for, you know, for 40. Okay, he wanted a new monument right there. It was, you know, this caught me. I've, I mean, most of us maybe have read Joshua a number of times, okay? But, you know, you start reading it a little differently, right, when you're going to share about it. And, and, and as I read, okay, so, so for some of us that have been living in the business world and working around people, this really struck me all of a sudden, okay, when I read this this time. God told him, get the stones and build a monument tonight. Okay, now, wait a minute. What? Where's the monument building committee? <laughs> we need a monument committee, right? Because we need to argue about what the monument's going to look like, right? We need to argue about is it going to face north or east or, you know, does it have wings or a base or, no, I mean, think about it. What color? Are we going to paint the monument? No, you know, I mean, we need, to, we need to have several meetings and a committee, and we need to form plans, and we need to have a, a monument-building campaign committee to get the money. To Look, that isn't what God did, is it? There was no arguing over design specs. In fact, we don't even know exactly what that monument looked like, do we? Scripture doesn't tell us. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, does it? You know, in fact, you think about, there are other times in Scripture, think about arcs, right? Well, man, when, when God told Noah to build the ark, he gave him design specs. Yeah. When God told them to build the ark of the covenant, lots of detail. In this case, it was just, guys, get some stones, build a monument. Why? Why? Because you know what? Last people are through, priests come up, Boom, the water flows. Listen, if we don't build that monument, people start to forget. I mean, all of a sudden, people are going, Did we, maybe there was a bridge. <laughs> I mean, listen, we, we, if we are all honest, we start to forget things really quickly. Okay? We, st- we start to begin to question, was it really? Did God really heal me, or did I just get a good night's sleep and feel better did i mean you know listen the enemy does not want us to remember the miracles of god he'll help you forget and he'll help you come up with other explanations if you're not sure that's why faith monuments are important because if i experience a miracle and i construct a faith monument right there right now later on when i start wondering i go back wait a minute i didn't build this out of my own god i built this because right here's where it happened See what I mean? It caught, and and I, think, I think God wanted them to build that now while it was very fresh and very real and very vivid on everybody's mind. Because it says in verse 7, it said, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So we need to get this thing built. Right now, all the people could still remember what it would look like. They'd just crossed the Jordan. The flow was stopped. The ground was even dry. Man, they all even remembered they'd come out with no mud on their shoes. I mean, right now, it's very real. It's very clear. It's very vivid. Let's build a memorial. Because once that water starts to flow again, they could begin to forget. 
Interestingly enough to me, there was another memorial built that same day, wasn't there? There were two. Tend to forget that, right? Tend to remember the one that the, that the Israelites were supposed to build at Gilgal. But there was a second memorial. Kind of different, right? Verse 9 says, Joshua also set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan, right at the spot where the priests who carried the ark had stood. So Joshua built a second memorial right in the middle of the river, right in the middle of the riverbed. Interesting place to build a faith monument. Not where I would have thought, you know, because look, as soon as the water starts to flow, I guess it's covered up, right? I guess it's covered up. Now, look, this is one of those, if you want to think differently or you are smarter than me, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it, okay? This is, we're now stepping into the Steve translation of, uh, of but, but you remember back in chapter 3 when he told them how they were supposed to cross? He said, like, stay about a 1,000 uh, what was it, a thousand cubits away? or I mean, it was like, like stay a half mile away from the ark. Remember that? They, they were supposed to keep some distance between them when they crossed. So if you think about it, right? I mean, the ark goes in, but the people are supposed to like, are not supposed to like walk right by it. They're supposed to do some distance, sounds like, and in, in, in stay away from it. So, so the people, the two million people, doesn't sound to me like walked like right on top of the ark, right? And so now they're up on the other side. So there's a little distance. And if the river was really a mile wide, this floodplain, I mean, there's, there's some distance here. It's not like this all happened in a, you know, in a, in a, in a 50-foot narrow little ravine, okay? Well, and the only reason I think that might be important is when you think about it, if the if the people are all through and they're on like a half mile away or they're going over here and now Joshua, God says, build, build another thing right here where the priests are standing. Well, I, I don't know that two million people saw that. You see what I mean? I, I mean, the only people I, I, I can, at least in my own mind, that I can say for sure know about this monument are the priests who are carrying the ark because they're still standing there and Joshua. So what's the deal? Well, I'd like to propose to you that while most faith monuments, most testimonies are to be shared, okay, as with that faith monument they're going to build at Gilgal a little later on, others are to be, are meant to be kept to ourselves and treasured in our hearts. You know, it said Mary, you know, kept all the things that had happened and she just treasured them in her heart didn't say Mary walked all over town telling everybody what had gone on. No, I mean, I, I think there's an awful lot of things God does in our lives that he does because he intends for us to share them. Okay, they're testimonies to be shared. But I would offer to you, at least for me, I see the, one of the reasons for that second memorial to have been built was it was like a personal faith memorial. Those priests and Joshua, think about it, the leaders. Leaders need some extra, every now and then a little extra measure of grace from God. They need a little extra confidence that what they've been called to do is actually what God wants done because they get beat up from other angles. They get questioned. They get second-guessed. The people go, why not? Why can't we have more quail? You know, why can't we have, right? I mean, the people sometimes don't, don't always go along with it, and, and sometimes the leadership needs to know that even though there's a little bit of dissension in the ranks, that every, the, everything's not easy, that they're on track, 
that they've seen some things from God. And I just want to propose to you that I believe that second monument, that second faith memorial was built right where it was for those who were there to see it, know it, and remember it. And it must have been because God knew they were going to need it. Listen, God doesn't do any, he just doesn't waste time. God doesn't waste energy. God doesn't give somebody direction for no reason. So if God gave it to them, he knew they were going to need it. And so I would propose to you that that faith monument was one that was there. And it may be that you need some faith monuments that are in your life that are for special reasons that may or may not be to be shared. You'll have to determine that between you and God. Okay? Their God that they served and not only brought the whole nation through, right? But those priests as well. So every time they remembered that second pile of stones, they would remember that the moment, you think about those priests, they stood there patiently holding the ark for quite a while. I mean, two million people, even if they walked pretty fast, you know, that, that was a while, right? And, and think about the faith of the priests while they're doing it. I mean, they're, they're standing in the middle of the miracle, right? Like halfway. And I'm not trying to be silly, but I mean, but think about it. If you're one of the people walking, and it's a mile across, perchance, that it was a mile, and you're like 100 yards in, and all of a sudden you hear the water roaring like, whoops, this deal didn't work. You turn around and run back to shore, right? Or if you're, if you're three quarters of the way through and you were to hear water you know, rushing your way, you'd hightail it on out into Gilgal, right? Okay? But the priests are standing dead center. They're not going to make it either way. You follow me? They're, that's what's called being all in. The priests were all in. And the priests were all in not only to have the faith to start the miracle by touching the water, but they had to stay all in during the entire course of the miracle to stand there with the ark in the middle of the most dangerous spot there was until the last of the people cleared and until Joshua had built his second set of stones. Okay? I mean, this was a big deal. And so these folks had been through something, but their God brought them through it. And for their faithfulness, think about it. Then it says, Joshua, God tells Joshua, and he, he calls them up out of the river. And what happens? As, as they come up out of the river, when the last one, I mean, just think about it. They're coming along. The, fir- the first guy who touched the water stopped. Now it's the back guy, right? The last guy lifts his last foot, and all of a sudden, water. I mean, I got to tell you, I, with God, things, things happen a little differently, right? I mean, I'm just telling you, and you can argue, you can have your own vision of this miracle if you want, but I mean, I know I serve a big God. I serve a God who doesn't do stuff halfway. And I, I mean, honestly, I really believe that when that first priest touched the water, I don't think it was like, oh, the water stopped back there, but it took like a half hour, you know, for the last bit of water to roll on through, you know, and then they waited another, you know, 30 minutes or four hours for that sunshine to start crusting up the mud. I'm, you know, I'm telling you, I think he touched it, and all of a sudden there was just no water there. I mean, maybe they watched water that was right there go moving backwards. I don't know what they saw. All I'm telling you is there was the water stopped, and it says it stopped back upstream at a town called Adam, so it wasn't like it stopped like a wall right there. It, it like, pushed away. 
right? So, I mean, this thing pushed away instantaneously, and instantaneously, everything's dry. So, I also believe that when the last guy, who's in the back of the line, his heel finally leaves that last little bit of, you know, what was riverbed, I think all of a sudden there was water. I don't think a wall, I don't think it was like this rushing wall came down. I just think there was water, okay? Because you know what? God can do that, can he? Okay, and I think God does stuff like that because he wants you to know this, you know, there are people who said, oh, no, the Red Sea really, you know, it was really shallow and it was a wind and it was low tide. No, 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 right? That wouldn't have drowned all of, all of Pharaoh's horses and soldiers if it had been, you know, three inches of water, right? I mean, it was, that's not what happened. Well, this, why wouldn't God do the same kind of thing here? So we serve this God who, who, who is a God of miracles. And that's why he deserves faith monuments, and that's why we need them, though, is because we need to remember that that stuff didn't just happen in Bible times. God will do it for us now, too. Yeah. He's still doing stuff like that, but we've got to remember it, and we've got to believe it, and we've got to ask for it, and we've got to seek it, and we've got to be there, okay? And so the final thing we've got to do is, look, we need to tell others what these faith monuments mean. Right? I mean, it was a blessing when this testimony was shared the other night in Bible study because, I mean, it's like, it's like reminding me one more time what God does, right? That God is a God who does stuff that I can't explain. I'm so glad I serve a God who does stuff I can't explain, you know, that can only be explained by God, but God, right? Think how many times in Scripture it says, da, 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 but God. Man, I'm so glad I serve a, a God that's but God. Because as long as God's in it, there's an answer, right? Nothing's over as long as God's in it. Look, we've got to tell others what these things mean. You know, humans kind of love monuments, don't we? I mean, you can go to Washington, D.C. It's full of monuments, you know. You, you can go all over the country. To play. There's, there's monuments. We like to erect monuments. And most of them have to do with victories, of, of you know, past victories or things that... that of human achievement, uh, but you know we like them at a more p- personal level. Okay, uh, if you think about it, right? Everybody, a lot of people in their homes have got a table, or some people have a whole wall. They've got ribbons and trophies and plaques of. They're kind of little monuments of of service or achievement. You know, it could be military service, could have been winning the tennis tournament at, you know, at school. I mean, it's whatever, right? But but we love that, and we love these kind of reminders. Of things and 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 you know, if people have those right, and their grandkids come over, you know, they go, Grandpa, you know, what what's that trophy? Well, son, when Grandpa was young and strong, you know, he you know he won the tennis tournament, or you know, or like with my dad, you know, he had some things, some some a couple of ribbons and things from World War II, you know, and I'm little, and I would see these. Dad, tell me about these. I mean, it. It, it's not even so much what they are, it's the fact that they created opportunities for a conversation, right? They create an opportunity for a conversation that you get to tell them the story. So the question for us today is alongside any of those plaques or ribbons or other things that we may have in our homes that could be from work or from athletics or whatever, right? You know, do we have anything in our lives that would cause people to ask us about God, that would, that would give us a chance to tell some of those moments in our lives when God has been so good to us, has blessed us, has, has answered prayer, his provision, his healing, his restoration, right? I mean, look, you know, there's, 
these acts of God, right, that even though we get caught up in this raging river of life and we're about to be swept away, that, that God not only rescued us, right, but he used it and he redeemed it. So I just, I just want to give you some hope here, okay? Uh, faith monuments, I'm, I'm not proposing that you need to have a stack of rocks in your front yard. I mean, that's, that's, that's fine, you know, I, but I want, let's be practical here, okay? I'm not proposing that everybody needs to go home day and, you know, go dig up rocks and build a pile so that, yeah, yeah, I was at church and I said I need a faith monument, so I, I got one, okay? I mean, if you, if you feel called to do that, great, you know, call me by, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring the liniment for you from your sore back from, you know, doing it, okay? But, you know, for you, it may be like a prayer journal, Maybe like a prayer journal where for years you've been writing down. If you haven't, maybe you need to start one. But a place where you've been writing down things that you've been praying for and the answers. And sometimes those answers come years later. right? But, and, but, but wouldn't it be great to be able to go back and say, you know what? I've been praying for that person. I've been praying for this situation. And look, this, this took six hours. This one took six weeks. Over here, there's one that was six years. And then I got all this list of stuff I'm still praying for. But you know what? I've got faith to keep praying for this one that's taking longer. Because look, there's other times when God says, yep, 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 yep. Why wouldn't he keep saying yes? Okay? Because God never promised me the timeline. He just told me to keep praying. And so I just want to encourage us that, that we need these faith monuments. But it may take the form of a prayer journal. Look, it may be an old Bible you've got. Okay, that you've been writing in for years. You know, you've been writing in the margins or in the front or the back, and you've been writing down verses that, that you've been claiming and clinging to during tough times. And with every one of those verses that you see, every time you read it, it just sends you back to a flood of memories, right? Because you remember when you, when you were desperate. You remember that time when, when, man, have you ever been lonely I mean, do you, do you, and I mean seriously lonely. I won't call it depressed because I'm not sure I know, but I'm talking lonely to the point of feeling like you could not be any more lonely. I mean, I was there once in my life. I, honestly, I mean, I, and I'd moved. I was living in town. I was by myself. I was single. I'd been to, to a church and nobody talked to me. No, you know, okay. And, and, and I was about ready to quit my job and move back home. I, I'm telling you the truth, I honestly was. I, I was so lonely, I could hardly stand myself. It was this beautiful Sunday afternoon. I was sitting in my apartment in New Orleans, in Metairie, Louisiana, and, and I thought, I, this is not worth it. I, I've got friends back home. I've got family back home. What am I doing here living like this? And literally, at the moment that I was just, I, if, if, if anybody, if, if somehow my keys had been in my pocket, I think I would have gotten out the door and driven home. There was a knock at my door, at my apartment door. And I went to the door, and there was this little white-haired old man who was about 4 feet 11, okay? No, I'm, I'm telling you, he was like about this tall. He had this big head of white hair, okay? And his name was Hans Heinemann, okay? And Hans Heinemann was a deacon at the church I'd been to that morning. And, he, and, and apparently, if you filled out a visitor card, which I was trained to do as a good young church-going boy, you know, uh, supposedly something was supposed to happen with those cards. Well, apparently at this church, they, they, they got, this is way before, you know, maps and all this stuff, you know, phones. They, they sort of parceled them out to people, and, and I happened to live near where this guy lived. And, and so Hans had been handed my card, 
and he was showing up at my door to say, I am so glad you came to our church today. And he said, uh, I just came by to tell you, you know, welcome and, you know, you're new to town and we're glad you're here. And I think I just about grabbed the guy and I said, uh, I said, hey, can you just come in for a few minutes? And I said, I am, I am like incredibly lonely. And he says, well, Evie is out in the car. <laughs> and I said, well, could Evie come in too? And so Hans and Evie came in and sat with me. And I don't honestly remember now whether they stayed for 10 minutes or an hour. I really don't remember. And they were real people because I knew them forever. But I'm telling you, if there was ever God, an angel sending somebody at the moment, do you know what I mean? There's, there are moments in our life when, when you couldn't have, nobody could organize the timing better. Okay, but God just steps in and he says, I know what you need and I know it's right now. And so what I want to remind you is that those notes, those moments, whether it's in prayer journals or in the, in the margins of your Bible or whether it's, it's your own memories. Listen, you need to revisit those things and you need to be willing to share them because most of us have been in all those same places at some point in our lives. And what we need to know and hear from other people is you may, I made it through, you'll make it through too. You made it through, I can make it through. Listen, sometimes today with our new technologies, right? I mean, sometimes your faith monument may be some online app, okay? I got to tell you, I got one that I'll share with you sometime if you ever want to see it. It's called my Mayo Clinic patient app. No, you know, okay? Some of you, you know, most of you know I've been through prostate cancer, right? Well, guess what? Okay, I can show you my PSA results since God decided it was time to heal me. And, and I, got a, I got a chart that shows my PSA climbing, 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 climbing. And then I can show you the rock cliff where it's fallen. Okay, and it's been fallen now for about a year and a half. And I'm, and I'm telling you, for me, that's a faith monument. Anytime I want to remember, does God still answer my prayers? I can look at this little thing and see this really cool little graph that just, that's about as good a monument as I've got. And so you may have an app that, that's, that serves as a faith monument. Listen, faith monuments do not have to be piles of rocks out in the front of your yard. They can be practical things you've got. The deal is share them. When other people are going through stuff, just don't sit at them and just say, oh, honey, I'll pray for you. Do that too. But share with them the things that you're going through because they need it. Listen, God puts you in their lives for a reason. And it's for you to share those things. Okay. It's when we share our stuff that those stones, because they're just stones, right? They're just rocks. But that's what turns them into these monuments of remembrance. What makes them holy, powerful, and meaningful is because they actually have, a, a, they, they touch us, okay? So look, today, each of us that are followers of Jesus, right, we got some moments in our lives, and they ought to be serving as anchor points for us, right? They should be serving as things where we go back to, and we can remember God's goodness, and we can remember his faithfulness, and we can remember those moments when God was real and he was tangible in our lives. And, I mean, you've got your own stories, right? I mean, you've been driving, and there was some time when somebody was about to hit you or you were about to hit somebody. And, I mean, all you can say is, I think God somehow stuck an angel between me and that thing because it just, it should have hit, but it didn't. There was just something that kept us apart, you know? I mean, it may be that. It may be that time when you felt something heat up in your body or twitch, and all of a sudden you got the word, I'm healed. I mean, look, your story, we all got our own stories, okay? Or you're like mine, the lonely one. You know, I mean, look, we've all got stories. Where God has touched us, whatever they are, just don't forget them, but share them. And, and so today, as we, as we close this part of the service, 
I just want to encourage you. Just, just stand with me for a minute, will you? And I just want to encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to take a moment. I just want you to take a moment with no, no sound, no noise, no nothing. I just want you to think. I just want you to go back. And I want you to identify one or two, at least, of those moments where you say, yep, that's worth a faith monument. Just take a moment. Okay, now, here's a simple question from right in your seat. I just want to know, if you'll commit that this week, if God would put someone in your path, you don't have to go hunting for them, if God will put someone in your path, and you can determine that they would be helped or blessed by hearing your story, hearing you tell about one of your faith monuments, If you're willing to share it, just raise your hand. Nobody looking around. Would you be willing to share it? Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Okay, thank you. Lord, today, God, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your blessing. God, we want to thank you that you have brought us through so many things, so many trials, so many challenges in life. Lord, there are so many moments where there would be no... No answer if it hadn't been for but God. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, God, that we have the privilege, Lord, of having faith monuments in our lives. And, Lord, I pray that this week, God, you've seen our hands. I pray, Father, that this week you would put at least one person in every one of our paths. That, Lord, we will get it. We will catch it. We will not miss it, Lord, but we will recognize that this is a moment that you've given us to share one of those words of testimony, one of those moments of your faithfulness, and, Lord, that it will be an encouragement to the one that hears it. It will build faith in their lives. So, Lord, we entrust it to you. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.